everyone, and welcome to the 35th episode of Project Studio Tea Break. I am Mike Senior, and I am here with glass countertenor John Whitten. <laughs> Gla- okay, you know, I'll take that one. Good morning, good afternoon, <laughs> good night, everybody. I'm so happy to be in your ears today. It's comfy and warm here. Have you earned your tea break there, John? I have earned it through sheer thermal hardiness at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, Berlin is a frozen wasteland just now. It makes the ice planet Hoth look like Bermuda, look like Miami. It's (laughs) just all frozen. We went out to our favourite lake at the weekend and walked all over it, which was a surreal experience as they go. That is weird. And... Uh, there was a hole in the ice, and I did go ice swimming, and that was you did bracing to say the least. I did, <laughs> I did, and I will send photos. Anyone what who challenges a nightmare. me. Um, wow. How about you? Have you earned your tea break this week? Month. <laughs> God. Actually, this is one of those months where I can stand up proud and say that I have earned my tea break through and through. I've been a one-man content generation machine. Heckin' yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Been doing reference of the week posts and the mix review and. Mm podcasts left right and center and i've been doing loads of videos yeah so it's just been pedal to the metal <laughs> leaving rubber on the uh, metaphorical road <laughs> <laughs> neither of us know very much about cars yes okay and so just to give yourself a nice break you thought you'd jump on the computer and record a podcast yeah seeing as i, I haven't been doing any other podcasting <laughs> it's kind of busman's holiday now i wanted to say at the top here just as a warning to those who are signing in desperate to hear how the grammys went down mm. they've done us dirty they have and they have delayed the um delay the results even further it's march the 14th i believe i don't know which one of us upset them Mm. the grammy selection board i don't know which one of us spurned them in some way i will Mm. be checking through my spam folder to see if there was you know a long string of emails i missed or maybe they're just playing into our hands they're ratcheting up the tension (laughs) oh and now here's another question for you i've also in the follow-up to the grammy investigations we've been doing i've been writing up some of the things i really liked for mixed review and I've just been writing up Anderson Park's lockdown. <gasps> oh, cool. How was it having a deeper listen to that? Well, the first thing to say is that it sounds brilliant. Mm. I've added it to my reference collection because it sounds so great. The, the kick and bass and everything is brilliant. Damn. And now this is an interesting one because instinctively, how do you think they did the drums on that record? God, I haven't heard it for too long, but drum machine. Yeah, that was utterly my feeling. It sounds like, oh, that's a drum machine. Yeah. I don't think it is. Because hmm. normally, if I think, oh, is it a drum machine or not? I'll take a section of it, yeah. flip the phase of it, and try and cancel other bits of it with that pattern. <laughs> On first listen, you think there are only basically three patterns. Yes. And the arrangement's all that kind of NPC style, you know, switch the mute button on and off for different things. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's programmed, and yet it doesn't phase cancel. If you line it up to the grid, the tempo that it should be, which is, I think, 100 BPM, yeah. you can see slight timing variations when you listen carefully you can see that the snare and the kick are flamming in different ways because there's always that snare plus kick back beat every time oh wow so i think it is actually a live drum track i don't know if you know but anderson pack himself is a brilliant drummer well yeah and in fact he did a live version of it for the late late show really oh that is also brilliant but the thing about that though is that he did such great fills. Mm. It, it kind of feels to me almost like a wasted opportunity that he's so good <laughs> at doing fills yes. and there are none on the original record. I always find it offensive when someone who has deservedly gained 
notoriety and acclaim mm. due to some you know magnificent talent of theirs reveals quite offhand that they have another career-worthy talent <laughs> that they have chosen not to get famous of. Yeah, it feels unfair, doesn't it? It's like they were dishing out the bits and pieces to the people, you know, when the kids were being born. Exactly. And he just happened to get into two cues. Justin Timberlake <laughs> didn't need to be great at guitar. No. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. He just happens to be really good at guitar. <laughs> um, which is fine, I guess. Yeah. But totally uncalled for. And ditto, Anderson Park doesn't need to be an amazing drummer. Mm. But there we go. He just is if anyone hasn't look up the Anderson Pack and the Free Nationals Tiny Desk concert. We've brought it up before, but it's worth bringing up again. It's worth bringing up again. Go straight to "Don't Stand a Chance," and it's the most sloppy, gorgeous beat. It was the first bit of drumming I ever tore down from YouTube and lined up to a grid to just go, look, what are you doing? I need to know exactly what this is yep. so I can steal it and use it for about six months on every single thing I arrange. Now, there comes a point in any news organisation's life where they really land on the radar of the people who matter. Mm. And arguably the best benchmark that this moment has occurred is when you start getting unsolicited press releases. Oh, that's tasty. And this month has been a vintage month because... <laughs> have we done it? Have we arrived? We have arrived. Oh, my God. The okay. fireworks have gone off because <laughs> we have had our first unsolicited press release. Heavens! So I feel that it is our duty, mm. our obligation to <laughs> step forward and deliver exactly the kind of coverage that I'm sure, given their in-depth knowledge of our podcast, <laughs> they would expect. <laughs> okay, Wow. I'm excited. I'm, I'm banging my knife and fork on the table in anticipation. So I bring you news from Lydia Sherwood of Presto Public Relations. Thank you, Lydia. And she sent us a press release saying, mm. I would like to introduce to you New York City-based jazz vocalist Rebecca Angel. Hello, Rebecca. She recently recorded the Stephen Stills 1966 chestnut for what it's worth, originally performed by Buffalo Springfield. Okay, one minute. Just, I have to point out, you're using the trailer voice, mm. and I'm so tempted every time you pause to go, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca Angel, wow. <laughs> All those really echoey, like, taiko drums. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, those are the ones. <laughs> And it sounds like a big old courtyard of gigantic drums being played. With sweaty Japanese guys in loincloths. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. I, okay, look, Patreon stretch goal announced now. I will. I will. If we get a total of one more Patreon subscriber, I will make this into a trailer. I think we should. That's a promise, Steve Breakers. Okay, sorry, Mike. Carry on. Anyway, so it says. Grammy-winning producer Jason Miles is at the helm with a stellar group of NYC musicians. Mm. I mean, clearly, as with all our news stories, it's worth really getting beneath the surface here, seeing as this comes from a serious public relations setup. I mean, their roster includes the African Children's Choir, Ooh. Ray Barnett, Simrit, <laughs> Wait. and... Todd Mosby. Wait, no, I'm sorry, because we've been asked to look at Rebecca, but all I want to do is look up Ted Mosby. The Todd Mosby. <laughs> Wait, have you Googled them yet? No, I didn't know any of them. Did you? <laughs> no, no, but that last one, um, Ren Bringlebrop 
has got the best name. He's some kind of guitar noodly guy, I think. Guitar noodleman. Yeah. It also, I mean, to be fair, um, Rebecca's version of the song also won the New Artist Breakthrough Single Award at 2020's Independent Music Network Awards. Hey, damn. Nice one, Rebecca. Amongst other winners, such as um, Joe Taylor, Brandy Moss Scott, Susan Tony, Rhett May, The Deus Project... Grammar Ricky and John De Nicola. Okay, okay. Any strikes there? <laughs> <laughs> there are review quotes too. Oh yes, mm-hmm. and we, oh, we can add to them. Mm-hmm. We're literally everything we say right now is a review quote. They can add. Have you heard of any of them? Nope, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a quote that says, "This single is the epitome of how a pop song should be arranged, produced, and performed." Okay. From Ken Bloom of, and I swear I initially read it as the Bisto Awards. I thought it might be sponsored. <laughs> (laughs) by this crazy company, but it's the Bistro Awards. Oh, okay. Recognising, encouraging, nurturing and educating cabaret, jazz and comedy artists for 36 years through our insightful reviews and annual awards. (laughs) Okay. Unfortunately, further down on their about page as I continue to dig beneath the surface. Oh, you are my favourite private investigator. (laughs) It went, we recognise achievement in a wide variety of categories, from outstanding performances to outstanding contributions by members of the cabaret community. The object is not to choose the best of anything of the year, but to recognise... Oh, you don't want that on the about page of an award you won. No, you don't really want that. That's the last thing you want to see. Also, as a lovely extra detail, I went over to their sponsorship page, (laughs) as you do. Oh, lovely. And you realise that for the comparatively affordable sum of $3,000, we could have our own award. Wait. We could have the Project Studio Tea Break Award. (laughs) Oh my gosh, have we just got... I feel like we've just got our second Patreon stretch goal. Wow, two in one episode. Now, I won't lie. This one's a little further off. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good to have dreams. $3,000. We get an award title. Do we get to choose what it's for? I kind of assume you must be able to have some input. Yeah. So, you know, um, deepest sarcasm in a cabaret (laughs) or or jazz number. Yeah, I mean, it is jazz cabaret comedy. You could, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's the obvious one. It's comedy award. Best pun. <laughs> I, mean, I know, you know, I'm going to hold on to best cabaret performance featuring the music of Iron Audi. <laughs> because I think people miss his raunchy potential. I mean, that would be the slowest legs line in the world, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh my God. Wouldn't that be amazing, though? <laughs> okay, so let's get to the actual piece in question. Yeah. Okay. The thought I had when I was listening to it, besides amazing like little bass lick between 140 and 150, worth listening to just for that. Hmm. The thought I kept having when I was listening to it is, why am I listening to this? <laughs> I don't know. There's a bit of like, it's all been done. Yeah. Hey, I write Baroque harpsichord pieces for fun. Like, I'm not immune to this, but yeah. is it really exciting for this age? There's nothing modern about the music. No. It's... Very sanitised Tower of Power. It's very sanitised Marvin Gaye. I thought, it sounds like I'm listening to a mixing demo. You know, everything's kind of neatly in its own place. All these kinds of sounds are very vanilla genre sounds that are all nicely put together and quite safe and conservative. Nothing to kind of upset the mixing demonstration that you're planning to do. (laughs) No, you're so right. Everything is in its cubby hole in the mix. Mm. It sounds very, very recorded to a click. Yeah. The only thing which did stand out was there's a guitar solo two-thirds of the way in which has a panned tremolo on it and <laughs> it's pretty much hard left to hard right which if you're wearing headphones is a dizzying experience especially <laughs> coming from such a, a gentle flat mix and all of a sudden you're just kind of watching a ping pong match at like double <laughs> speed or something it's um i mean to be honest when i listen to it on youtube i mean there's no visuals to it mm. and i just found my eye wandering off to the right hand column and looking
looking at all the other versions <laughs> that were available. Right. And ones you might be more curious to hear. And I was curious enough to check some of them out. Oh, yeah. And there was the original from Buffalo Springfield. Mm. There was a Crosby, Stills and Nash live version, which is also good. Ooh. There was one that I actually liked less than this one. Okay. By the Dirty Heads. Right. They did a really very pedestrian version of it. Right. But I don't know if you had a look at the number of views that Rebecca Angel's had on her video. We're, we're kind of mid-800s. Um, just for context, do you know that the tuna salad pun video on your TikTok account <laughs> has 840 views? Right. No, I didn't. Ah... <laughs> <laughs> uh... And this really rubbishy version by the Dirty Heads has 474,000 views. Right. None of the versions I listened to had less than like a couple of hundred thousands. Actually, there was a really good one at about 240,000 by Sammy Hagar in lockdown. Amazing. Him and a bunch of his friends. It sounds horrible, (laughs) but they're having such fun doing it. It's just, it's quite fun. Yeah. But the highlight version, the one that I thought was brilliant, was one by the Del McCreary Band. Oh, I don't know them. And various other musicians, including Sierra Hull, we talked about the other day. (gasps) Oh, yes, yes. There's like 12 of them, like two double bass players. Oh my God. The whole shebang. (laughs) It's got solos by banjo, bowed bass, mandolin, Fiddle, dobro, and electric mandolin. That does sound just brilliant. And it has two million views. Much earned by how you describe it. I, okay, I really want to listen to that, but it is seven minutes long. So I kind of started listening to Rebecca Angel's version and then just got pulled off into a vortex of other versions that I liked more, for the most part. That does make a certain amount of sense because it feels like when you have released a song which is getting under a thousand views for a song for which covers normally get, you know, at least a couple of thousand, yeah. that's about when you might reach out to our tier of podcast. But you put out this press release and you go to the effort of putting out this extra push to the top tier of podcasts like ours, <laughs> and then you don't do a video? Right. I mean, to a certain extent, this is burying the lead because yeah. she does have videos. Oh, really? And her most popular video... Is one called Thoughts and Prayers. Wait. That has about 6,000 views. Is she being sarcastic or not? I need to know. Have you listened to it? I've listened to it and watched it, and I defy you to watch it with a straight face. <laughs> and unfortunately, okay. not for the right reasons. I was going to say, are we laughing at or are we laughing with? See, now I really want to, but we're in the middle of recording a podcast, Mike. It ticks practically all the boxes for me of things you kind of shouldn't do in a, in a singer-songwriter video. There's mm-hmm. lots of like tracking shots of her walking places. <laughs> the first thing you do when you decide you're going to do a video is, I tell you what, let's do a video of them walking somewhere. Oh, that's a painful one. Like playing piano when there's actually no piano in the track at that point. <laughs> <laughs> or a couple of obvious guess who's bought a drone the kind of rising shots okay and horrible like american flag symbolism and stuff and oh traipsing yourself around a cemetery and things well i'm beginning to realize why um why they didn't send that one to us <laughs> <laughs> listeners and mike you have my apologies but i am actually just gonna go and listen to this song now i'll be, I'll be back <laughs> immediately for you and in about four minutes for mike pardon me okay so we're back I can see I've already won the bet about straight face. <laughs> I didn't think the piano with no piano bit would be so obvious. <laughs> There's no real plot or anything to it either. There's no reason for any of this stuff, it feels. She's singing about people dying in the street. Yeah. And the next shot, she's sitting in a deck chair on a beach with a drink. <laughs> and then we're back to her in a black veil in a graveyard <laughs> with, the, with the dirty American flag again. But the thing about this whole story to me is that it's not a story about a bad artist. Mm. Because I think she's a perfectly serviceable young singer. 
I just think that it's all been wrapped up in the worst possible packaging. Everything. Mm. Like from the first video that has no visuals, this one that has rubbishy video, mm. all the publicity stuff we've had so far. Yeah. Because clearly the reason why we, we got this press release in this case was because somehow our email addresses appeared on a list of music podcast providers. Right. They've not bothered to listen to it. So they've just <laughs> fired out a whole bunch of stuff to people. That think, but that in itself is just really bad press relations work. Wow, that video, I want to watch it again the problem is it all comes across as sticking plasters as if she's a bad artist yes doesn't it absolutely everything is looks like they're desperately trying to make up for her being a bad artist well i'm not sure she is no and that's such a bad look when everything is so sanitized and flat and vanilla generic genre sounds the impression i get is that the singer could not be trusted in the studio right we'll get down all the instruments in an hour mm. Now let's spend three days trying to get something workable from a singer and then two weeks editing it yeah. into something actually workable. Yeah. And like you say, I've no reason to think that's true no. with Rebecca, but... And that's not even the end of the poor quality press work. Oh, yes. I mean, there's a bio page, for example, that presumably <laughs> this public relations department have done for her website. Mm. It's like, um, on her sultry and soulful debut EP, Rebecca draws from a fresh whirlwind of classic and contemporary influences. <laughs> so, a fresh whirlwind? <laughs> What's that? Also, do we really care that she recently graduated with a degree in vocal jazz studies from Ithaca College. Is this a CV? And she credits her immersive studies with giving her the practical skills to develop her individually inspired style. <laughs> they had a quote apparently from her as well. Yeah. Whether I'm performing live or recording, I've always been driven by my desire to evoke a meaningful emotional response. Send the Somo <laughs> Bot 5000. I mean, that's such a bland thing to pull out as a quote. I know, I know. It gives the impression, at least to me, that this was written not so much for you, the person reading it. Mm. It was written for the artist so that the press release person could say, hey, look, yeah. I'm doing my job. Look at all these buzzy buzzwords. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know who reads that press release and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, stop the presses. She has a degree from Ithaca College. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wait, this singer wants us to feel emotions? Mm. Emotions? Why didn't I think of that? Get Lady Gaga <laughs> on the phone. But this isn't the depths for me. No. The best bit of this whole press release. Oh, do tell. They had a second pull quote, not just the Bistro Awards. We had one from a Mr. Dick Metcalf of Contemporary Fusion Reviews saying, This is Rebecca at her finest. I'll say that for sure. I've reviewed her artfully soulful vocals before. I give Rebecca and her players a most highly recommended rating with an EQ, brackets, energy quotient, score of 4.99 for this high-intensity single. What? Right. Now, okay. just on the face of it, I think, okay, she's kind of gushing about a single. I've never really heard of contemporary fusion reviews, but I'm assuming it's some kind of niche publication that's to do with jazz and whatever else. I don't know. Calling that song high energy. Look, with a gun to my head, I could come up with some <laughs> nice things to say about that song. High intensity, please. High intensity. High intensity. I don't think this is what Vin Diesel and his <laughs> friends are listening to as they kind of pound muscle cars through the LA nights. No. So, of course, I dutifully checked out the Contemporary Fusion Reviews site. Heck yes. And? Now, reading from his bio, 
It starts normally. Mm. You know, it says um, he started Improvisation Nation magazine in 1990. This is Dick himself. This is Dick himself, right? Okay. This new venture, because he's now editor of Contemporary Fusion Reviews, mm. is designed to provide some expedited and expanded review services that many players and promoters have been discussing with me for about 10 years now. Wait, I'm sorry. You notice he changed the person halfway through. It's like he started this and then they've been discussing with me for about 10 years now. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> okay. So for a start, in one paragraph... He kind of undermines his credentials as a writer. Yeah. But then it gets weirdly candid. He then goes on on his bio page. Just so you know, what really happened after I retired in 2014 is that I realised that living on a fixed income wasn't really going to support the magazine. So I began soliciting contributions via Facebook, direct emails and other means. I was really unhappy with having to do that, but the server costs were skyrocketing as my data usage began to increase. So a couple of promoters, you know who you are and thank you, began discussing how to give back to the artists and promoters who were contributing (gasps) by writing what we termed special reviews. Wait! That way they got something for their dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Wait! He's not saying in the small print, he's saying on the bio section of his page, (laughs) this is somewhere where you can buy positive reviews. (laughs) And if someone goes to the site to look at positive review they will be exactly one click away from the page explaining yes. that you can pay for positive reviews from the site yeah and in fact if you follow the ads and pricing page on the site oh my god he okay <laughs> you realize tell me more you can get the reviews for 20 dollars a pop okay well and of course as you'd expect i mean i went through about 40 different reviews yeah and they all have a like a most highly recommended in capital letters and they always have an eq rating yeah of between 4.97 and 5.00 i mean that is the narrowest margin <laughs> of of star ratings what does someone have to screw up to get a 4.97 is what i want to know well it's interesting that you should ask because actually the 40 reviews that i went through hmm. only went from 4.98 to 5.00 okay but i was curious to find out whether rebecca Angel had had any other reviews. Okay. And it turns out she's used this service twice before. <laughs> and that her very first review, not only does he spell her name wrong, <laughs> but he gives her the most elaborate of burns with a rating of 4.97 that I could find in none of the other reviews I saw. <laughs> It's like you pay for a puff piece and somehow by the back door you get this elaborate double burn. That is incredible, Mike. And I can't believe. There are so many. It appears hundreds, hundreds of artists paying this guy $20 a pop for a review. <sighs> this guy makes his living writing puff pieces so that people can quote contemporary fusion reviews. I think this man might be a genius, you know. I, I just didn't even realise that this could possibly exist, that there was that much brass neck in the world. No, a b- absolute genius. <laughs> now, I wonder if he would just review a podcast. <laughs> I would happily put $20 to having this. and I, Because I want to know what our EQ is. I will be so <laughs> gutted if we get a 4.97 oh mike i won't be able to get out of bed the next morning that will absolutely wreck me i need to know the difficulty is he says he decides what he actually ends up reviewing and if he doesn't review it he just sends it back to you so i mean we could try submitting a podcast but i think he'll only accept a piece of music wow you've got a lot of um faith in his <laughs> i don't in know his integrity <laughs> <laughs> As we plunge our greedy mitts back into the tumescent Project Studio Tea Break mailbag, 
this week. Erupting. Oh, flowing. We pull out this particularly lucky missive from David and Bradford. And David and Bradford asks the following. Dear tea breakers, the French have a term. And I've got to try and do French. Okay. <laughs> L'appel de vide. De vide. Oh, or the call of the void. For the desire one gets when looking down from a great height to jump. Something about such a terrible decision being so tantalisingly available. What is the music or music production equivalent? Oh, yes. I myself am an orchestral player, specifically a percussionist. And as such, I'm perfectly positioned... And this could go so many ways. I'm perfectly positioned to screw up a page of my music and toss it down a tuba. I have thus far resisted, but it has been a long time since I've played a concert and not got the urge. Okay, okay. I don't know. This for me is a very familiar sensation. Mm-hmm. Any thought that starts, oh God, wouldn't it be awful if I? You know, the, the most regular one for me, certainly before pandemic, was just being on stage. Anytime I'd see a tuning peg, my own or someone else's, just be like, we're in the middle of a song. I could just just tweak it. Um, that has always been one for me. From the off, does this spark any recognition in you or are you just too much of a cool collected customer? Yeah, I, you do kind of get where that feeling comes from. I'm struggling to come up with specific mm. examples of it. Well, let me tell you another of mine. Go on then. So it's on any track that I'm working on which involves any amount of automation. Okay. So you got all those little dots telling them what volume to do when and all that. And then I have to move something. <laughs> yeah. I have to move some tracks forward or backwards. Yeah. And the way automation works in, well, Reaper and Cubase and Logic as well is very similar. Sometimes it moves, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it goes <laughs> further, sometimes it goes less far. Sometimes it selects a random selection of the points mm. within the region you've selected and it's like inverts them. And I will go to incredible lengths to avoid trying to shift anything with automation on it or tempo change it yeah. or just anything to do with time modification in a track yeah i would rather finish the entire thing bounce it to a single wav <laughs> and then mess around with the time of that instead yeah it's just a nightmare so sometimes if i'm feeling particularly grim i will just imagine selecting random tracks pulling them in different directions then hitting save yeah so that is another cool of the void that i sometimes experience certainly and now i mean this definitely brings up one in fact that we've been featured in a previous facepalm in, in some respects oh yeah and it's this thing of when the red light is on mm. and the recording is happening and you're sitting there in the control room. Oh, yes! And you know that there's something happening that you're trying not to get in the way of. Mm. And yet at the same time, you have this urge to try and be doing your job as well as you possibly can and getting ahead of things. <laughs> so you kind of want to multitask, but you know there's always this possibility that you might multitask in a way that causes the musician's problems. <laughs> and I've had this on numerous occasions, you know, you know, particularly when you reach for the solo button or the mute button. Mm. And, you, and you're trying to remember in your brain how the mute logic works on this particular oh. system you're working on. Yeah. I mean, I've had loads of these, actually. I've had things <laughs> where... I've been thinking, you know, actually, maybe I should try and ride some of the solos to tape mm. while I'm recording so that it immediately feels more in balance the whole way through. Yeah. And then kind of forgetting that the feed that's going to the person's headphones is post-fader. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm riding to the headphones as well. <laughs> or situations where I go, oh, I must just check whether those microphones aren't kind of crackling and that I'm hearing. So I'm soloing different microphones and forget that I've, I don't know, I've forgotten to solo defeat the click. The kick keeps dropping in and out. 
<laughs> and also, I'm always thinking, you know, when they're doing the first take, I've got to be getting the monitor mix-ups because when they come through, I want that to sound as great as possible. So I'm kind mm. of fooling around with plugins and balancing the control room and master bus compression or whatever while they're doing the first take. Mm. And the moment I start that process, it's a bit like your ice swimming example. <laughs> you, the real difficulty is... The first step is the getting in. Yeah. And then once you're in, you're like, well, I'm in this far anyway. I might as well keep going. <laughs> going to town, may as well go in a Lincoln. Absolutely. But that's definitely a case of um, l'appel de voie. L'appel de voie. De, de vide. The vide is light, isn't it? Oh, de vide. Oh, the, the emptiness. Oh, oh. Oh, hark at you, pan-European polyglot, hiding away some serious language chops there. Any language skills I might think I have are unfortunately dwarfed by my wife, who speaks for like four languages and ah. has PhDs and things. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is a problem with us living outside of outside of the UK, where mm. our being able to translate croissant into English is, is lauded <laughs> as the, the true international spirit. So another space for me where this goes, because for me, the, the appeal of the, of the void is less desperately wanting to do a good thing, right? But knowing that it carries some intrinsic risk. But it's that being in an extremely somber situation and having the unbidden thought, "What if I laughed?" Yes. How awful would that be? Yeah. Which is a kind of funny thought, just how awful that would be, which makes it more yeah. on that desire. Isn't it this kind of almost like self-destructive thing? Yes. It's this feeling of, you know, the more one of a kind, whatever event it is, is, it makes you feel even more of an urge to destroy it in some way. Yes, Thanatos. I mean, unbidden to my mind, the idea came that, just imagine you were you were at the world record attempt for someone blowing bubbles, and, and you just thought, oh, I'll smush it into her face. You know, it's kind of exactly, like, yes. you know, wouldn't that be the best ever bubble smush? <laughs> yes, that's the thought. And where I thought you were going, and what is certainly true for me, is if I'm in a studio situation, and someone is doing something very tender and quiet and beautiful... <laughs> <laughs> unbidden, and I may just be telling on myself here, but unbidden the desire is, gosh, that's so quiet and so special. She's she's nailing it this take. What if I went? <laughs> what would what would happen? <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be awful? And I and I just <laughs> I'm squirming in the corner. <laughs> No, and the great thing is, it's, it's all 100% thought crime. Completely. No one would know from looking at my kind of placid features. No. This sort of Machiavellian scheming was going on behind. Mm. Um, but it absolutely is mm. a huge amount of the time. Who cannot also have had that thought in their mind at the point at which they're seeing the umpteenth progress bar or spinning beach ball of doom mm. of just picking up the laptop and throwing it against something. There you go. Just being done with it, being yeah. gone with it. I think that's, that's part of it as well. I do like the idea, though, of tossing a crumpled up sheet of manuscript paper into a tuba. I love the specificity of it. <laughs> yes. And it is so innately tuba related as well. <laughs> it's a bit like that studio tech I told you about who went and changed the laundry in the kick drum. Yes, I remember that. It's specific to that instrument, isn't it? Yes, completely. I mean, I don't know, though. Maybe for particularly bored percussionists, you set up a skill level. If you've got, if you've got a long adagio with no percussion in it tuba is one point i guess uh, euphonium would be two okay because it's smaller yeah yeah a little bit smaller bassoon gosh bassoon was straight up to five six points i think <laughs> especially with their expressive swaying and playing i think so yeah 
Tubular bells? Well, tu- no, but tubular bells would be attacking your own. I feel like <laughs> percussionists stick together. You know, so someone's got to like them. Pipe organ? <laughs> For those with a real throwing arm, pipe organ is absolutely an option. I think you need leverage or something. You need to get your stick kind of levered over, over a music stand I mean, to really get it to That's it. Those mallets could be absolutely be rounders bats at a pinch. I think if you get if you get it in the piccolo, you just win automatically. That's a that's an automatic victory. Another two pointer would be under the lid of the grand piano. But if it were a solo piano, it'd be out front, and you'd have to kind of bounce it off the conductor's head to get it in. Oh yeah, and I think that would increase the value. <laughs> I think that would increase the value. I think you get double points if you bounce it off the conductor's head or a timpani on the way, because <laughs> that would be a lovely touch. I mean, in Wagner or something, do you think you could have like you get both tubers at once? <laughs> <laughs> All six of them. Yeah. Yeah. That would have to be a special bonus. I'm trying to think if there are any other things. There must be other things like this where you just feel this enormous urge. To make everything go terribly, terribly wrong. I mean, in a live environment, surely those mute buttons must call to you. <laughs> you see the spandex-attired lead guitarist stepping up to the floor wedge. Oh, yeah. And yes. you just mute him from the front of house. <laughs> and you get 100% presentation and 0% noise. Now, as regular listeners will know, John and I are both firm fans of the Reaper DAW. Oh, heavens, yes. Now, when did you start with Reaper, John? Oh, God. Um, you know, it was my first DAW out of university, so I must have been about 21, 22. Oh, right. About a decade ago now. Well, I mean, I started using it back in 2008, I was horrified to discover when I <laughs> researched it. Okay. And it's fair to say that it revolutionised my workflow, mm. and I've been with it ever since. I just love it. And I loved it within about six months of using it. Right. With the exception of one thing. Oh, there's an exception. And I think I've mentioned this exception before. Okay. For a long time, in fact, for seven or eight years, Mm. it didn't have the type of automation that allowed me to do automation like I used to be able to do on a Neve flying fader system. Okay. What I call relative trim automation, which is this automation thing where... Your faders always stay at zero, Mm. the physical faders. Mm. And then whenever you want to adjust the level of something, you just grab a fader, it's touch sensitive, Mm. it drops into record, and you record the automation, and when you let go, it zips back to zero again. Okay. I mean, that's just normal touch automation. Okay. What's crucial about relative trim is that you can do it multiple times. Oh. That automation you've recorded will be kind of stored on a lower level, Mm. but your physical fader will remain at zero dB. Right. And whenever you want to grab it and offset what's already there, you just grab it. Okay. Whatever automation you ride will be added to whatever's already there. It won't overwrite it, it'll offset it all. So if you were in a minus 2 dB section and then you pushed up to 2 dB, then it would chunk that together and play that section at zero. Yes, exactly. Okay. Or if you've done detailed automation of one little vocal phrase and then you decide, well, actually, the first half of it's too loud, mm. you can just slightly pull down the first half of it with a little level move and then merge it with the existing data. Oh, of course, yeah, because you just pull down a little bit and keep it there and it keeps all of the detailed shaping. And it is the most intuitive way of working for me when I do automation because I don't even need to look at anything. No. I can just listen and my finger's on the fader and whenever I hear something that's too quiet or too loud, I just drag it Mm. and then it merges with the existing data and I just keep listening. So I'm not even looking at the automation curve or anything. Amazing. So it's a lovely way of working and Reaper didn't do it for the longest time. Mm. So I was thrilled to bits when I discovered in 
2016 mm. that they'd implemented a shortcut that allowed me to create a workaround that was like relative trim automation. Okay. So you still had to sort of do a bit of personal designing. You had to do a bit of thinking and you had to set it up in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But if you got the key command chains right and whatever else, you could do it really quickly and intuitively. Okay, once you'd put that effort in first time. And the sun came out from behind the clouds. Hey. Birds started tweeting merrily in the background. Oh, incredible. The world was young and it was <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Spring. And I was so thrilled about this that I thought I've got to let people know about this. Mm. And at the time, I was writing on and off for the Sound on Sound magazine Reaper Notes column. Okay. And I thought, this is ideal. Mm. I can write this thing up and it'll be one of these nice little, you know, this is something genuinely that, you know, we've just discovered. It's a new thing. So yeah. I submitted it. Now, what you need to understand about magazine publishing <laughs> is that there's something called a lead time. Okay. So this article was published in the May 2016 edition of the magazine. Mm. It's called Getting in Trim, oh. Natalie titled. Oh. And <laughs> the thing that has May on the cover is actually in the shops in mid-April. Oh, really? So that the advertisers can be told this magazine was there at the beginning of May. Right. Okay. Now, it takes a while to print physical magazines and get them delivered mm -hmm. for the end of April. Okay. So they have to start doing that about the beginning of April. Which means that everyone that writes articles for the magazine, in order to get them edited and proofed and all the pictures sorted out and everything else, mm. you need to probably deliver your copy the latest the last week of March. So that it can begin printing at April and be in shops by the end of April. Okay. So, I duly submitted just in time for the May issue. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> I, I hear the distant sound of an impending doom. And, unfortunately, one of the other reasons both of us really like Reaper is it's a very sensible, incremental upgrade strategy. <laughs> yep, little bits at a time. <laughs> so you don't get, I mean, you do get the massive number <laughs> upgrades, but they're continually adding and adjusting features mm. incrementally all the time. Mm. And so this magazine comes out yep. on the 17th of May. Oh, <laughs> Reaper no. version 5.20 comes out uh -huh. and it implements what it now has, which is a whole separate envelope that it calls a trim volume envelope. Okay, and how does that behave? So what it means is that now the process of doing trim automation just involves you recording a volume automation line as you would normally do with ordinary volume automation on the track, mm. hitting a keyboard shortcut, and it merges that to the trim volume. And then re-zeroes the volume automation. Yep. So basically, a one keyboard command solution to this entire article workaround <laughs> in the very month where it's on the newsstands. <laughs> oh my God. And it's so bad because most people don't think about the lead time issue. No. So it made me look like not only did I come up with a ridiculously long-winded and roundabout way of doing this, but that I was clueless enough about Reaper not to know that there was a really simple solution. Oh, okay. Okay. Probably yes. <laughs> but have you also considered that you might have just been a trendsetter? This is how to get artisanal trim automation. Sure. Yes. Sure, there are quick, cheap, easy solutions out there. <laughs> but if you really want to get that kind of crunchy multiple key command action extension vibe, then you're going to need to get the senior method. If you really want to value your automation. There you go. None of this cheap and cheerful fast food automation. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I was so burned by that. Oh my gosh. That ever since, whenever I've written anything for Reaper Nose, I've always thought, okay, what could happen if Reaper comes out with a new feature before I finish this, <laughs> this article? I mean, I would have thought that for like a major and awfully important publication like Sound on Sound, Reaper would be 
very up for keeping open communication about what's in the pipeline. Well, yeah, but there's always a question of timing, isn't it? And right. you'd have to check every article by them every time and how fast they turn it around. Mm. You know, it's in press week as well, because I think I delivered it in press week and then they're all charging around. They don't have any time for anything. Oh, it's like, you know, that's publishing for you, isn't it? I imagine so. I mean, that's why you so often get pictures captioned with dummy caption goes here or something. <laughs> you know, it's because people just run out of time. Because when it gets to crunch, like it's just crunch. Although, the thing is, you've got to take the rough with the smooth because mm. that whole Reaper incremental update thing mm. is brilliant if you actually come up with something that you think could be a really good thing for Reaper and they end up doing it. Yeah. Like there's a button in the regate that is practically the Mike Senior Memorial button. <gasps> because I suggested to them, if you put a button that inverted the phase of the wet signal in your gate, you could turn it into a ducker. I, I know I know that button. <laughs> there you go. I literally know that button. That's so exciting. I want to start a campaign so that when you mouse over that button... <laughs> you get the tooltip. I want it to literally just read Mike Senior Memorial button. <laughs> 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 a little blue plaque pops up. Or a full-on, every time you mouse over it, it launches a YouTube video. <laughs> You know, we'll get the same producers who work with Rebecca Angel to do it. And it will just be an extremely touching. We're going to evoke some emotions with this one, Mike. Some genuine emotions. But yeah, so that's my face palm for this month. I feel you. And I just take this as validation to my lifelong commitment to never try and figure out a solution for anything because someone else will probably sort it out. Yeah, that's the problem with the internet. There are always more clever people out there. Previously, you could be the most clever in your own bubble and get away with it because you just didn't happen to bump into that other clever person. Didn't have to know anything about them. But now you are always in competition with hive mind. <laughs> Which brings us, like a sailing boat crossing stormy waters and finally in sight of land, brings us to our jam. But what would jam, raspberry, mulberry, blueberry or otherwise be without some crisp, crunchy toast? I mean, that sounds like someone biting into said piece of toast. <laughs> Look, maybe I got peckish while I was spreading it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, understandable with such a delicious slice in front of you. Um, any guesses? I got the sense of some kind of plastic knife involved. <laughs> with those flimsy bits of plastic. Well, I was actually hoping you might say that. Oh, right. Because it's not actually plastic. It is... <laughs> A biodegradable alternative to plastic, which my organic tomatoes came in, just going to prove yes. that there are sustainable alternatives. It's indistinguishable from the real thing. There you go. As far as toast folio is concerned. For those of you who have yet to make the swap because you're worried that you won't be able to do halfway decent toast impressions <laughs> with this new biodegradable stuff, fear no more. It fooled even Mike himself. Yes, the golden-eared toast identifier himself. So here we go. We've got slow toasted on a skillet none of this modern toaster nonsense the heavens no it's well buttered what's the jam i don't know whether you remember but back in the day when i was at sos mm. i used to coordinate and occasionally write for a column in the magazine called sample shop okay so i had access to huge numbers of samples okay this is thrilling me so far. But if we fast forward to today... Okay, here we are. We're in the present. The two that I have probably used more than any other ones... Yes. ...are the two that I'd like to talk about today. I could not be more hyped. And they're slightly unusual because 
I mean, mostly I do mixing and production work. I don't do a huge amount of compositional kind of music creation work as such. I mean, I occasionally create bits and pieces, but okay. mostly I do mixing and production work. And that's where these two libraries really come in. And they both kind of have similar functions, but they work in different ways. Hmm. Now, the first one of these is a library of rhythmic loops called Groove Shadows, which is a great name anyway. I love it. It's a brilliant name. And here's a fairly typical one. To me, that's a crunchy, high-energy, industrial, almost stomp-reminiscent drum beat. Yes, and it's very typical of the Groove Shadows concept because it's made up of a bunch of kind of strange little bits of sound design and stuff that you're not quite sure what they are. Mm. They're all a little bit nondescript somehow. <laughs> For different ones, you get little bits of like rustles and scrapes and bits of found sound and mm. little clicks and background noise elements and, you know, bits of breath that have been chopped off. And it's always this kind of potpourri of little bits of sound design. <laughs> Yes. And yet, <laughs> okay. it's not designed to be used as a loop on its own. Really? You're meant to stick it behind an existing programmed part or loop. Oh. And it adds detail and it adds movement and it adds character. Oh, that's fun. So it's essentially, it's pre-boxed ghost notes. Yes, exactly it, but on a more generalised scale. In fact, some of them have things like kick drum pedal squeak and, and stuff in there <laughs> that you for adding to like drum kits. I bet that sounds great. So, for example, have a listen to this drum loop. A perfectly serviceable rhythmic loop. And then I'll add that groove shadow in that you just heard. What a brilliant idea. It feels like cheating because you just <laughs> go through a few of these groove shadows, find one that seems to kind of fit the bill, slide it in there, and all of a sudden this thing kind of pops to life and seems to cohere and feel like an instrument where it didn't before. This reminds me of when I discovered cumin. <laughs> Yeah. Cumin is the missing ingredient that so many people don't know they need. So many dishes are silently crying out for in a language that no one understands. <laughs> I have written so many drum parts that would have benefited just from that, like, crinkle, that sparkle, that, like, I'm going to say messiness. I think of it more like the organic nature of it. Mm. You know, if you as a drummer were playing something acoustically, mm. you'd be playing your hits... But the difference between a virtual instrument and a drummer is that there's all sorts of little creaks and mm. shuffles and things going on as, as he moves around in his chair. And yeah. that bit of it glues the whole thing together. Mm. And the other great thing about it, and this is why it feels a little bit like cheating, is that obviously I've done a lot of mix rescues <laughs> as well. And when people come to me with a track that they feel needs a mix rescue, they're just generally feeling a little bit that everything's a bit limp and not inspiring. And they feel that they've put the work in and it's not there. Yeah. And you can put a groove shadow in 
And it doesn't feel like you've changed their programming at all. No, no. And all of a sudden, it just feels more alive. It felt like the same drum part. So it's one of these great little risk-free tricks. I promise that we're not kind of sponsored by Groove Shadow yet. (laughs) Um, But like, this sounds like such a brilliant idea. I wonder who had the idea of like, let's make some drum loops, which are everything except the drums. Yes. For people to use. It's all the nice, grainy, detailed bits that most drum bits don't have. Yeah, that have been intentionally cut out of sample, uh, drum samples. Now, the second library is Groove Shadow's spiritual twin for me. Mm. What I want you to do is I want you to imagine your common old garden, like, Scandi Noir TV series, right? Oh, okay, no, I'm there. My mum loves those. And now, take away the visuals. Oh, but the chunky knitted sweaters. <laughs> well, I know. Okay. Take away the dialogue. There's barely any anyway, okay. <laughs> You're right, there's barely any. <laughs> Take away the foley. Ooh, okay. That one hurt, but all right. And then you're left with the rest of this kind of sound stuff. Some of it's music, right? And then... Anything that you can name as an instrument, take that away as well. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of soup of strange kind of wispy, blurpy and completely undescribable noises that's left is what this library's about. Wow. Okay, so as you say, the twin. It's a library from a company called Heaviosity, and it's called Evolve. Okay. In fact, I'll just give you a few patch names, and immediately (laughs) you'll get a mental image of what these sound like. Right? Okay. Hit me up. Give me the give me the sense. Vapor freeze. Oh god. Yeah, no, I'm there on on the highway where the murder took place and the detectives are sipping coffee. Glasteroids. <laughs> a wide shot of two suns is eclipsed by a behemoth spaceship kind of drifting past like a great whale. Exactly. Here's another one. Creep out builds. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's done a better job than I could. It's basically every Billie Eilish video. (laughs) And one of my personal favourites, Alien Guitar Womb. Okay, see, this one I don't know. This this is what they have taken one step further than I am able to kind of figure out. Well, no, you kind of get that impression of like some kind of feedback thing kind of in the distance, seemingly through some alien-like membrane. (laughs) It's that kind of alien film bits of sound design with bits of distortion on it. Oh, I'm, I want to hear that one now. <laughs> I want to get a taste. But the point of it is that, again, whenever I'm presented with something where they've put all the instruments in here that need to be in here, mm. but there's stuff that they can't think of because it's not an instrument mm-hmm. and it's not there. And to make it feel like it's a finished thing and to give it atmosphere and to give it what I sometimes call churn. Churn. Oh, I like that. That's just This is one that I notice particularly with orchestral arrangements. Mm. And they put in the violin lines and they put in the sweeping horn tunes and they put in the the bass line and they forget to put in the violas chuntering away and the kind of rhythmically in the background and the and the, you know the second oboe yes. and, you know all this stuff that's going on and there's creating all mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. churn and they miss that stuff out yes and it sounds like all the elements are there that should be there and it just sounds a bit hollow like it's lacking power and excitement and all this kind of stuff yeah and evolve does this for anything that isn't orchestral mm. so for example the way i tend to use it on mixed rescue if i've got something that doesn't have Churn. Exactly, it doesn't have churn. New favourite word. What I'll do is literally, it's the old one finger synth stuff. I'll bring up pretty much any old patch that I I think I might like the sound of on on Evolve. Mm. And I'll just kind of poke at notes while the thing's playing. (laughs) And generate something that I think, oh, that kind of seems to fit. Even if it's just a little snippet. Mm. And I'll just plug a little hole in the timeline. Yeah. And then I'll go through a dozen patches 
and do that in different areas of the arrangement. Of this track. Bounce them all down as audio and then use the fades on the audio regions to kind of fade them in and out at different points. Mm. And you can create this incredibly complex, evolving backdrop. Oh, interesting. With like one finger keyboard skills. (laughs) (laughs) For example, like this. Yep, that's a deep, rich, complex pad. <laughs> and basically, I've just built that up out of lots of little tiny snippets of different evolved things. Yeah. And the great thing about it is that when you do it that way, anything that's happening in the arrangement itself, you're responding to. Mm. So you'll tend only to put certain bits in places where they fit. Where they actually want to be. So, if you now listen to the mixed rescue I did that with, without the evolved additions, it sounds like this. Okay, I'm really excited for this. I totally see what you mean. It's a little bit dry crackers, but that's a cool bit of music. I'm quite into that. Is this a, a group or artist whose name you can give, or is that...? Yes, uh, uh, an artist called Dorothea Wessel, who sent her track into um, Mixed Rescue. The track is called Muddy Water. And is that with Groove Shadow in or out? Groove Shadow's already in there. Okay, I, I'm impatient. I'm, I'm going to just take the reins here. Now, everyone, <laughs> here's the next clip with it in so that John can listen to it. is remarkable. The moment that epitomizes it for me is that reversed symbol right at the beginning. Yeah. Because in the first version, you know, it's an effective sound, which is why everyone uses it, but it is just, a, oh, you're doing a cymbal swell. Yeah. Okay, I know this. But the second time, it's a cymbal swell 
ish something. It's, yeah. it's got umami in it all of a sudden. Yes, that's a really good description of it. All of these are like umami adders. And I, I know what you mean about it feeling like cheating. My, my very first thought on listening to this before and after is fear. <laughs> fear for my future usefulness <laughs> as an arranger. Like, God, the nights I have spent up trying to create churn. Yes. Which I never had a name for until now, but it's your right. The bass is great, and the tune is great, and the harmony's great, mm. but it's just not got any umami. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's really something. I mean, in that case, you can hear a little bit of the twinkly things going on, so you get the sense that I've added an extra part. But if I'd left those out, mm. you wouldn't really even think I'd added anything. No. You'd be concentrating on it, no. you'd just think, oh, this feels like it, it flows and it ebbs and it kind of has some movement to it. It's all behind the scenes. It's fascinating. You know, okay, brief anecdote. As a kid, and I, I missed breakfast, so this is possibly why all my metaphors are food-related today, <laughs> but you know, either way, whenever my mum would make a curry or a stew, I would be fascinated by the stew stuff or the curry stuff, oh, Okay, which is to say the stuff that is not a vegetable, mm. that is not meat, that is not mashed potatoes, yeah. but has a substance. What is this? <laughs> what does it come from? And, and, you know, it tastes great. It's my favourite bit of the food is the sauce. But, you know, I watched you make this. I didn't see you grab the pot of sauce out of the cupboard. Precisely. There is not like a sauce <laughs> addition. And I think that would be exactly the experience. Like, and actually what happened was when your back was turned, she actually took that bottle of sauce out and emptied it in quickly while you weren't looking. <laughs> just like just quickly poured one in. Like with Evolve or, or Group Shadows. <laughs> there is actually that secret ingredient that is the saucy bit that she wasn't telling you. <laughs> and then we turn around and just say, oh, mo mother's love. Yes. And this is that. This is the thing to fill in all the gaps in between. Totally that. But it gives the impression of not being there. Mm. I am going to dive into this so hard. <laughs> I'm going to overuse this so irresponsibly. There'll be a smoking copy of Evolve on your machine. Yeah. After recording podcast, I need to scratch up a couple of tunes for a new cabaret that's coming out. And the references I've been given, one of the really strong ones is Chicago. Oh, right. So we're talking hot jazz, piano-led, double bass, smoky. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to fit lots of Evolve pads into that, but, but I know I'm going to. Now, now we're going to just have stride piano and alien womb guitar feedback. <laughs> and as the bow of your sailing dinghy beaches itself on the soft sandy shores, completing this incongruous and only late introduced nautical metaphor... <laughs> We come to the end of our little programme. There is only time to thank our wonderful sponsor. Indeed. Let me, I'll, I'll just read their copy. Um, <clears throat> Are you finding it hard to listen to all the bands you want to when there's only 24 hours in a day? Mm. I, I know I have that issue. Yes. Um, Audio Solutions multiband compressor lets you select up to 15, 15 uh, bands at a time <laughs> and will play their music simultaneously, compressing your listening experience into an efficient 15-minute-a-day process. Now, that, to me, sounds amazing. Yeah. I really don't know how this is a plug-in that I've lived this long without. It's kind of instant 15-way mashup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you don't lose any of the detail because they don't turn anything down. There's no curation. Mm. They just compress them all like together at the same time yeah and if you get a premium subscription they'll also compress the time so they'll just do that <laughs> but at double speed i'm now at this moment wishing that i'd grabbed an audio sample from them but maybe we'd get copyright got for that so perhaps it's good we didn't well i mean you get sued by 15 people at once wouldn't we <laughs> no at twice the speed um <laughs> 
And if anyone with press releases is listening, more please. <laughs> tbreak at projectstudioteabreak.com is our email address for press releases. We have plenty of rope to feed you. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> Do we ever. Um, so thank you so very much for listening. Uh, as ever, our Twitter is twitter.com forward slash PSTB tweets. Our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash PSTB books. And um, and we have a Patreon. We do indeed. You can go over to patreon.com slash Project Studio Tea Break, where you will find our deeply moving eulogy to the Project Studio Tea Break mailbag moth. <laughs> You'll also discover that all roads lead to Spinal Tap and that we're making lots of silly car noises as we do it. I love these recaps. So if you would like to partake of these wonderful extras for, well... I mean, you can get on board with our patron campaign for less than a twentieth of the cost of a contemporary fusion review. <laughs> and we will be putting the majority of any support we receive towards contemporary fusion reviews. Yeah. Just to be a hundred percent clear. This is this is my main outgoing now. I'm gonna give up on rent. <laughs> Anything to plug this month, John? Um only my own incompetence because I realise we normally do the sponsors after the plugs so that people have a reason to keep listening so I'm going to plug <laughs> the people who are still listening even though we're just in the plug section of the podcast I don't know if you just care about us deeply or you can't reach the next episode button but either way thank you so very much how about you Mike any up and comings to plug well I mean all I would say is uh, people should keep an eye on the Cambridge MT site because this kind of exciting video newsy things coming in future so and that might might be announced before the next episode of PSTB comes out. Fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully I'll have an announcement in the next episode. Ah, oh, well, that is quite exciting. That is cambridge-mt.com. With all that said, have a lovely day and um, ta-ra, pets. Ta-ra! <laughs>